Hey loves, this is Constance of First Generation Healers Podcast. Today we're talking with Shannon from Reiki Gem Wellness. She will be discussing her love of Reiki and gemstones and how she combined both together to create her practice. The ways that practicing Reiki has changed her life, how we can use crystal healing to support and improve our lives, why gemstones work so well with us. She also talks to us all about her upcoming book, and her Reiki course that you can take with a special code she has provided for you in this podcast and much, much more. So let's get started. So when did your interest in gemstones start? As early as I can remember, really. I grew up in Oregon. Oregon, like Michigan, is one of these just mecca sites for rock hunters. It's littered with different types of gemstones. And my parents loved to go camping on the Oregon coast, in the desert, out in the forests. We went camping all the time. We also did rock hunting wherever we were. And we'd carry around buckets and just walk up and down the the coast looking for rocks and finding thunder eggs in the desert. We would just bring the buckets of rocks home. And my dad had a, a rock tumbler in the garage. So he would just start tumbling and polishing them whenever we brought them home. And finally, I mean, we collected so many of these because we didn't sell them or do anything with them. We just polished them and collected them. And he amassed these buckets of polished stones that we filled our flower beds with them. So some people have like rough decorative stones. We had like polished gemstones in our flower beds. And that I just never left me just this love of collecting gemstones and it evolved over time, but it's, it's definitely always been there. I can thank my parents for initiating that in my life. That sounds really fun. And what are the the thunder eggs you were saying? Yeah, they're like geodes, you know, they look like eggs. They look like big spheres and you can cut them open. And some of them have like, crystal clusters and some of them are solid all the way through but they have really pretty patterns so if you can find them and you can either like break them in half with a a chisel or cut them in half to see what's inside they're really beautiful that sounds like a lot of fun do you ever travel for that like deciding we will in the future but not right now it's not a good travel time oh yeah not (laughs) I'd love to go to Michigan around the lakes oh, and rock hunt. That would, that would be fantastic. When did you learn about the impact that each gemstone can have? Really when I started making gemstone jewelry and I started making it because my collection, it was getting so big. I no longer had room to store it all. I started wrapping them in silver. I mean, this was like probably like 15 years ago selling them on eBay. And then it gave me an excuse to then collect more, wrap them, sell them. Like the picture of the finished piece was was my collection. That's what I was collecting there. And I could collect really obscure pieces. But when I sold them, I had already had my certification in Reiki. So I would charge them and I would look up what their qualities were. And I would give each piece a story and a name and sell them. And just over time, over the years, I collected more and more information. 
and realized that those those properties were helping me. I would get on a, a say a kick to wrap citrine and I would make lots of those pieces and realize that actually those properties that, that citrine supports were what I really needed in life. And over the years now, it's, it's become a practice for me, an active intentional practice, which is specifically what my book is about because I, I figured out that not only did I see the support in my life, but I wanted to, to cultivate that and do it intentionally. Is there a certain gemstone that you love to work with? It depends over time. It changes. Right now, since I am writing, I have this little collection of stones that inspire me and help me tap into my inner voice, help me choose the right words, help enforce authenticity so that all of those qualities will come through. You know, we just had an election. There was some stress. So I had another little altar with some calming and soothing and stress reduction stones and you know, sometimes I really need to organize and, and I have a, then a little set for homeschooling and just, you know, organizing my week, things like that. And I know last year I was preparing to leave a corporate job. So most of the stones that I used then were about manifesting change and creating something new and being okay with transition. So it really depends on what's going on, which ones I'm attracted to. But then also the key is when I find myself attracted to a gemstone and I don't know why, it's a trigger to then sit and figure out why is this one speaking to me? Because there's likely something I'm not acknowledging that this gemstone wants me to learn. Do you have carnelian on there? I feel like I see I it do. a lot. <laughs> I do. Right there, my <laughs> artist stone. <laughs> yeah, carnelian is one that I go to a lot for inspiration for videos, for making jewelry, for drawing and painting and, and everything. And in fact, carnelian was one of the most common stones in Oregon. So that and red and yellow jasper and agates are all of those like childhood comfort stones for me because they were mostly the ones that we collected. It's a pretty stone. It is. Do you use numerology still with that? I saw mm -hmm. your videos on that. And I was surprised that, because I loved your sunstone video. And then I watched that video and I see sunstone is what it is for me. It really has been a stone that calls to me. So it's just so interesting. That was the numerology also. And then like I was looking at a pendulum or maybe some runes and sunstone. So it's just like overall the theme. It's interesting. It shows up. That is exactly it. It, it took me a long time to really come to terms with numerology and astrology, birthstones. How can all Pisces be dealing with the same issue? I believe that the day and year and the exact moment of our birth really carry a lot of information about the themes that we carry through life. Like my birthstone is amethyst. I've always been pretty attracted to it. Amethyst pops up in other areas for me. And 
you know, more than just me being attached to it because it's my February birthstone, like it, it actually has some themes and supports and, and that'll be in the book too, just learning that there's, that there's more that our you know, life path number, our birthstone and our zodiac signs can come together to really show us these overarching developmental themes. And if we're aware of them, then we can really work with them throughout the course of our lives. So what led you to learning Reiki? Oh, a couple of things. I would receive Reiki. I had a pretty significant like martial arts injury. And while it was healing, it wasn't really healing all that fast. I started going to a a Reiki master for, for treatments and to just learn how the health of my energy contributed to my ability to heal as well. And I did take Reiki one with that person, but I didn't really use it. Years later, I had some pets, some ferrets, and ferrets are prone to cancer, just the way in which they're bred, they're prone to cancer. And these ferrets would have surgeries and illnesses and they'd have to recover. And I I felt kind of helpless you know, beyond making them comfortable and making sure that they, you know, that they rested, I wanted to be able to do something else. So that's when I started my whole Reiki master and teacher journey to, to just help comfort my pets and to help them heal. And what I learned in that process that it wasn't just about physical healing, but it's a phenomenal practice to really get you in touch with sensing your own energy being able to read your own energy, to know when you feel healthy, when you don't feel healthy, but to be able to channel energy and then combining that with the gemstones and then, you know, being able to just feel when you needed something or not. I mean, really the energy work in Reiki is what was really life-changing for me. I'm not the most skilled at the physical healing aspect of it, And that's normal. Like when you get into Reiki too, you learn that there's different layers. There's different channels of healing, the physical, the the mental, emotional, and then the spiritual. And while I I really clicked with the emotional and spiritual, you know, I'm not all that effective at the physical healing. But then I have friends that are super effective at it. And so we find that area that we really click with and then use that as best we can. And what led you to combining the Reiki with gemstones? The jewelry making. Reiki is something that you can use to enhance the energy of of anything like food, water, your home. You can use it for home protection. You can use it to protect your car when you're traveling. You can use it on books when you're studying to just help you absorb that information better. So when I started making jewelry with, um, with my gemstones, that was something I definitely wanted to like charge them with to just really like concentrate their energies for whoever was going to then take it home. Can you tell me about your Reiki class? Yeah. So right now I have Reiki one and two, but it will be a five part series continuing with crystal Reiki, Reiki master and then Reiki teacher. And Reiki one primarily is about learning to sense and channel your own energy, either before 
and after the empowerment, and then being able to channel that to yourself and to others. Being able to like work with our own personal energy and read it is really valuable for our own health, for maintaining balance, for giving ourselves energy when we need it. So Reiki 1 is, is really, really basic, so you don't need any other experience, any other type of, of energy work. It's just, it's gonna get you started. And it's also about self-care, because Reiki 1 is about taking some time for yourself to sit and meditate and feel this energy, to give yourself self-treatments, to have quiet time where you do energy clearing meditations, and then to also be able to provide this energy to others to your loved ones, to friends, to people that you don't know as well, but you want to wish them the best. And then Reiki 2 dives into that even deeper where you learn the different symbols. So each one of them is a different type of energy. It has a different feel. It has a different intention. And then learning distance healing as well, which is really flexible and powerful practice. You can send it to yourself in the past, in the future, especially now during the pandemic, you can send it to anyone and you can receive Reiki treatments from a Reiki practitioner without having to be near them. It's, it's so valuable right now, but you can also send Reiki to communities for global healing, you know, just to, to lift up the energy of, of the world in general. It's extremely powerful. And then after I finish the active writing of the book, then I'll start with crystal Reiki and how to, how to incorporate crystals into your existing Reiki practice. Reiki master, I mean, it even goes deeper into the, the subtleties of the energies and starting to deal with combined, more complex client issues. Things that might take lengthy treatment options like months because you know people are dealing with deeper traumas or illnesses that are really emotionally based things like that and then of course reiki teacher if you want to start teaching reiki to other students then that is an option as well and a lot of people just they never want to get into the teaching end they just really want to delve into how to do it which is why i specifically separated reiki master from reiki teacher you know, to save a little cost for some people that, that might not be interested in that part of it as well. And what does it feel like to have a Reiki treatment? It's valuable to experience a Reiki session from someone else. And if, if somebody's on the fence about taking Reiki, it's a great idea to go and book a session with someone to see how it, it feels for you. But it really depends on how it feels. There are so many ways that a person can respond to a Reiki session. It relaxes people deeply. Sometimes they fall asleep. Some people, it energizes them and they really cannot have a Reiki session in the afternoon. It's like a cup of coffee. For some people, it can trigger emotional releases and there can be crying. Like it, it can run the gamut, really, just depending on you know, what has built up inside you and what you actually need. That's really cool. It sounds like I might want to set up like a day for this just in case. Oh, I would recommend it. Like maybe scheduling a session in the morning and, and just seeing how you react to it. 
And if you find that Reiki is one of those things that really makes you sleepy, then you know then later on, then you'll book them at nighttime, <laughs> like right before you go to bed. Now, the nice thing about distance healing as well is that um, you can book a session that's not time-based to receive it when you need it. You would, you would discuss this ahead of time with the Reiki practitioner and they could send it in the morning when they have time. But you know that you need it at 10 p.m. at night and they're not available then. Well, then you get into your pajamas, you get ready for bed, you get into bed, and then you request the Reiki session. Like, I'm ready to receive the Reiki session. And you will receive it. That's Even a- if you fall asleep, you're still going to get the rest of the session. It's a really, really flexible practice. I have to check out your class. It sounds really interesting and it sounds powerful, as you said. I mean, there are so many things that one can receive from learning Reiki, even just Reiki one, like Reiki one, it it can be life changing, even if you don't want to go any deeper. How many gemstones do you own? Hundreds, hundreds. One, because it's an addictive hobby. Like it really, it's really addictive. But also just in the course of planning and writing books in the past and Also, when I'm researching a stone, I really like to have one with me. Like if I'm planning a video or I'm writing a blog post about it, like I I like to have it with me to to see how it feels to me while I'm while I'm writing. Now, that doesn't mean that like when you have a large collection that you have to use them, all of them, all the time. But it's great to have some there in backup just in case you know that you need something obscure and it's right there. Yeah, I have those a question for you. Have you ever felt overwhelmed by what stones to work with and how many stones should we work with at a time? I think it depends on your level of comfort in the practice. This is this is a practice that is most definitely overwhelming at first. It is exactly what inspired me to write this book because many people start they start their crystal collection and there are so many resources out there there are there is an ocean of resources very few of them take you from start to finish like i'm buying it and now i have a daily practice so at the beginning that's i mean that's most of the emails that i get Like I'm getting started and I don't know what to do next. Like which stones are good for me. So I recommend people starting with like three to six and identifying specifically why they want to work with them. And if it's just because I find it pretty, then there is a reason for that. There is absolutely a reason why you find the stone attractive. So do more research and sit with it more and figure out why it's speaking to you. Now, I, I, you know, as I touched into before, like right now, I'm working with like 20 stones because they're grouped like in little families for situations. So rather than having one stone for a situation, I have a couple. Like, because I find some really complementary, like sunstone and hematite, I find really good for public speaking, for writing, for crafting messages. 
green aventurine and howlite, I find a really great combination for patients because it's cal it's calming, it dis it's dissolving frustrated emotions and then keeping it heart centered as well with the green aventurine. You know, sodalite and carnelian are great for authenticity with creative works making sure that we're creating something that reflects our soul rather than what we think people want to see. So that might be a complicated answer to that, but it, but it grows. Your capacity to work with a number of stones grows over time as you get more comfortable with them. Oh no, I like that answer. There are so many different ways you can work with stones and mm -hmm. I'm sure it's also, it gets easier over time to work with more of them. Absolutely. Cause you, you, then you start storing that, that information in your brain. You don't have to look it up in the book. You know that hematite is my stone for grounding. And when I need that, when I, when I feel this feeling, I go pick this one up. And then as you essentially like heart memorize, you energy memorize some of these stones, then you just add more and more and more to that until it becomes a lot easier to balance. Is there any certain gemstone where you have like a story behind how it has helped you? I think that satellite, probably about 10 years ago, I took yoga teacher training and the yoga teacher, like this is a class of like 20. And at our graduation, after about a nine month period of studying yoga, she presented all of her students with a candle that was associated with a chakra. And mine was the throat chakra. And she also told me in my finishing evaluation that, you know, I have this personality that she really enjoyed, but when I was teaching yoga, I kept it like by the book and that I really needed to learn to bring my personality into my yoga teaching. And while I did not continue to go on teaching yoga, because that's not really why I took the program, more for personal development, the throat chakra candle and her advice stuck with me because I realized that like one of my biggest places of work in life was speaking my own truth and authenticity and like really sharing it. Because really, I, I spent 20 years working in a corporate world that, you know, isn't really open to meditation. I'm not saying it's not open at all, because there were lots of breakthrough programs that this company had. But in general, you know, there was a split between my life of yoga and yoga therapy and crystals and gemstones and meditation that really I kept separate from that, that work split. And so one was to then leave the corporate world because it wasn't really serving me anymore. But then also to then just really start owning, this is who I am. This really is. And it's been a long, long practice, but you know, sodalite, it's this great stone. It's a gorgeous royal blue stone that has patterned with white and it looks like blue marble. And the blue really connects with the, the throat chakra and our ability to speak, you know, our truth when it's difficult. How can we use crystal healing to support improving our lives? That's a great question. That's, that's fundamental for me and my education and my channel and book. And it, it comes down to using gemstones as a means of looking within, of recognizing what we need, of taking time to sit with the gemstones that represent what we need, having some honest inner conversations with ourselves, and then putting into practice some 
times in which we see the thing happening. Like, I want to develop more patience. You know, I might find that I tend to be really frustrated. Then with the stone that helps with that, howlite, taking times when I feel frustrated to then sit with howlite, feel how I feel in that moment, see why I'm triggered by that moment, and to help it dissipate. Doing this on a regular basis brings change in our lives. Can you explain why stones work with us exactly? Like, is it the vibration? It's just something I thought about. Yeah, yeah. It's, well, one, you know, gemstones are created within one of the most powerful, like, forces here within the earth under that immense pressure and heat and all of the minerals that give it its color and its like vibrant energy. And that's a really intense process. And we bring it up out from the earth and it's infused with this color and the energy of its creation. And that's something that we can tap into like really powerfully for change if we have that intention. And then the colors that we are attracted to tell us a lot about what we need. And, and there are studies with um, color vibration that, that talk about how we absorb certain frequencies from different colored objects. And we are influenced by the absorption of that color. But in my practice, really, I focus on the intention and really the, the color of the stone, the representation of the stone, the energy of it are things that help us work with and, you know, have some honesty about in our lives. I like how you talk about the transformation that the gemstones go through. It's like the transformation that a lot of us are looking for. Like, you know, you're you're under pressure and then you come out polished the way that you want to be in a way. Yeah. We are under pressure every single day. It doesn't matter who you are. Like we have our own life pressures and responsibilities and stressors, and we're not just dealing with one at a time. We're dealing with like 10 at a time every day, like you're pregnant with a toddler and you have responsibility for your household and maintaining your relationships and many other things that are going on in your life. And, you know, sometimes we do break under that pressure and those moments can be really powerful, powerful times of awakening and recognition in our lives of what we need. Like, one might decide that like, I need work-life balance. I need more self-care. Like I need to focus on more compassion in my relationships. So those times of, of breaking open or re- erupting from the earth can be really, really powerful as well. And yeah, I, I do rock tumbling and polishing and it takes a long time for a gemstone to go from rough to smooth and polished like months and it takes intentional focus and adaptation between the tumbling stages to prevent cracks to make sure that we're using the right grit and polish to get to the end but we can get there it may not look perfect and it may not have a perfect shape 
but it's going to be beautiful. Like however it ends. The Reiki has to actually do with the tumbler, right? When you do it. Yeah. I have the Reiki symbols written on the tumbler as I tumble them and then charge them with Reiki as I'm doing the, the cleaning and washing cycles week after week. But I'm not doing any rock tumbling right now, unfortunately, because time eludes me. I don't have enough time right now. But yeah, like when I was, like Reiki was just deeply incorporated in every step of the way. Are you mostly focusing on the book right now? I am, but I'm also homeschooling my kids, which is something that I wasn't doing last year and didn't have any plans on doing, but I'm doing it now. (laughs) So I did plan on focusing on my business like full time this year. And then the pandemic happened and life changes and we have to adapt with that. So there's less rock tumbling right now in 2020 and starting this process of putting out the Reiki online courses and then writing the books because there is a whole series that I have planned. This this first one is basically the how to begin really how to begin. Because I think that's fundamental for the people who watch the videos on my channel. Like, I love these rocks and I want to change my life. But, but how do I do that? And so I do explain in it how, how it works, how this process actually works, how the alchemy and the transformation happens. Then how to choose the most relevant stones for your current life situations, how to buy them, how to just really set a specific intention for them, and then how to develop daily and spontaneous practices that will support those, you know, three to six life situations or stones that you've chosen, and then how to modify it over time, because life changes and we don't need the same things year after year. And so that's where the first one starts. So I hope that when somebody picks up their first crystal and they're like, okay, now I'm hooked and I'm addicted, that they can pick up my book. And then it's a very easy, very, you know, precise path to then go into practicing with them. It should be available in the spring. That's really soon. That's awesome. That's why I'm writing like crazy right now. (laughs) Because I really want to see it out there. I'm really excited. Oh. Where can we find it when it's out? Oh, definitely Amazon for sure. Okay. And then we'll, we'll see how, what other venues that we'll be able to, to place it. But I think that, you know, the, the media, the YouTube channel is phenomenal for any creator in getting education and the message out there. It's not so phenomenal at keeping it organized. I can put out more and more and more and more videos, but I wanted to have something that was like really a distillation of like, here's where to start. And then feel free to go through all of the other videos to then support the practice that you've developed. So it's, it's kind of a need for me to like have some kind of hub that will then, you know, help me plan more videos that I put out there for everyone else. And just, you know, finally, that, uh, that means of, you know, it's great when you can develop an income on something that you just totally adore. Like, really, it's that magic moment. 
Like it took me a long, long, long time, like trying to figure out what I wanted to do when I grew up. It's hard to feel like that as you're an adult after you've had kids. But it is a magic moment when it, it clicks. So I wish that for everyone. Can you tell me about the importance of cleansing crystals and care? I think it's important to take care of anything that we find valuable in our lives. And, you know, just like when I'm studying Buddhism, they have a lot of rules on, like, you don't place your books on the floor. You don't put them by your feet. If you drop them, you touch them to your head to, to give them a blessing. You know, you, you keep all of your tools, like, wrapped in nice, nice cloths in, you know, a certain space. You know, because these are sacred objects and we want to treat them as sacred objects. So, you know, to honor our connection to them and their importance in our practice and our process, like it's important to treat them well. And also to make sure that we like cleansing, we want to make sure that we are flushing away any of the energies that they might have accumulated um, because in that's also flushing out what we're attached to and what's accumulated to us like what we do with our stones mirrors how we're like treating ourselves and then especially like charging them with energy and activating them is setting that intention for them and I keep on picking up this satellite probably because I'm speaking here that's just things that we should notice like it's like noticing the signs of the universe, like things that we see over and over again. But yeah, back to, to cleansing and charging, like, you know, taking good care of them, making sure that they still have a nice, clean energy, that we have strong intentions for them. We'll just continue to strengthen our connection with them and with our own practice and with our dedication to improving our lives. Are there any gemstones you recommend for the holiday season coming up? It depends on what somebody needs during the holidays, but like strawberry quartz is really good for celebration because especially in 2020, like the holidays are changing. Sometimes holidays are depressing for people and it can become even worse now because some people are alone. And like my kids didn't go trick-or-treating this year. It's hard to celebrate birthdays. And I think it's even more important now to take the time to celebrate, even if it's to find new ways to connect and celebrate, even if you're on Zoom with your family on Thanksgiving. But also, in general, we tend to rush past milestones in our lives. Like, I can only speak for myself. I am a to-do lister. And often, the check mark is all that I get to celebrate an accomplishment. And I've been working more intentionally and mindfully and stopping to, to kind of celebrate having done something. So strawberry quartz is really good for celebration and finding joy, connecting with our loved ones, even if it's virtual. Holidays are hard for people, then some stones like lipidolite supports us when we're feeling depressed. Also, um, snowflake obsidian helps with loneliness. So, you know, if you've got people who tend to be depressed or low during the holidays, these 
are ones that are really supportive and lift the energy and just and kind of help them feel a little safer. I, in particular, have social anxiety. And the retail environment of from Thanksgiving to January is really difficult for me to like go out in stores. So I have a couple of stones like blue calcite that really help to kind of protect my own energy and not kick up the rush, 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 rush crowdedness of those stores when I'm out. So the, uh, those are just some of the ones that come to top of mind for helping during the holidays. Is there a holiday aspect that you can think of that you think people might need support with? For cravings, maybe? Ooh, good one. Amethyst is really good for cravings. And yeah, Halloween to New Year's, we are inundated with food. But it's not just the temptations of all of those delicious foods that we make for our families, but also that time can be stressful for people. I know that the month of October was really stressful for me, and that can be a time that people comfort eat. This year has been hard for comfort eating and cravings. You know, so amethyst is really helpful to help us, like, just figure out where the core of those cravings are coming from because it's not just food. Also, I default to food, but it can be shopping. A lot of people have shopping cravings. Like when I buy a ton of yarn that I don't need because it makes me feel nice or addictions to shopping for crystals as well. You know, so, you know, it, it can even go as deep as alcohol cravings. But then if you have an alcohol issue, then you need to make sure that you have other support me mechanisms in place, not just your amethyst as well. Although historically, they used to put amethyst in um, goblets of alcohol because they felt that it's an anti-intoxicant and they could drink more. So, you know, back hundreds and hundreds of years ago, they used amethyst to be able to drink more alcohol. <laughs> That's pretty funny. <laughs> mm -hmm. Could you dive deeper into how Reiki helps us connect with gemstones? When you use Reiki with those gemstones, it like amplifies our ability to feel and absorb those energies. It's also an excellent way for cleansing and charging our gemstones. So adding Reiki to a crystal practice is a wonderful way of like taking care of your gemstones. Like, and then it's also wonderful for self-care. But also if you're, if you are a Reiki practitioner and you're working with somebody and you know they're coming to you because they have heart issues, like not physical heart issues, but emotional issues and emotional wounds that they are working with, like having them hold those pink gemstones while you're working the Reiki session is only going to enforce that environment of healing. Like not only are, there, are they there with the intention to recover from a heartbreak, but they're taking in this supportive healing Reiki energy. They're sitting with gemstones that support their heart and their love and their desire to 
have a more hopeful, optimistic view on love. And who inspires you? I'm guessing Rumi's one, right? Yeah, I love Rumi. Because he just has a passion for the spirit and the unknown and for life and just this enthusiasm and love. I love reading his poetry. I am inspired by Carolyn Miss, who is the author of Anatomy of the Spirit. And that was one of the first books that really struck me as important to my own emotional, energetic, and spiritual healing. And that's a book that I have gifted out many times. I've had so many copies and her work is really wonderful. And she just, she has her own brand of belief in healing that I think it is so unique and supportive. She's very inspiring. And the Dalai Lama, always inspiring. I will always be inspired by him. In the moment that I really knew that that he was a person I could connect with. I know like 20 years ago, I read one of his books and I think it was called The Art of Happiness. And it was kind of a semi-autobiography in how he perceived us cultivating happiness in our lives. And he was telling a story about how back then when he was younger, one of his favorite hobbies was watch making or watch fixing, clock fixing with timepieces. It was really frustrating for him and he would get really mad. And sometimes he would like bang on the, the table or like brush the pieces away and he'd have to start over. And then it really struck me that like he was a real person with real issues that dealt with frustration. And just because he was born into that position and because he had already a substantial amount of spiritual uh, development, that it didn't make him exempt from like, basic human emotions and frustrations and that I felt like I could trust him and I can listen to him because he could admit personal flaws while also encouraging development of those flaws as well. So those are the the ones that come to mind. I love that. I will have to check out that book. That is also hard as like a coach or a teacher to show those flaws, but it's so important and people actually buy more when you do. Yeah. You wouldn't think. I I think it's one of the keys to teaching through experience. Like if my life was perfect, then what do I have to offer? How do I connect with people if I, if I've had no life issues? Like really, like if I hadn't taken the time to like work through patience in my life, which is still there, I'm not saying that it's gone, but I acknowledge it. I own it. Like if I hadn't taken the time, then how can I show somebody else how to do that? And of course, there are life situations that I've never been through and I can't guide people on, but I can guide people through working with pain, working with frustration, working with disappointment, with those broad topics that they can then take to their own specific life situation. So, you know, there are some flaws that are unacceptable and I'm not going to name those, those spiritual leaders, but like normal human, like I don't like standing in the line at the grocery store. Like, that's totally acceptable. Like, I'm addicted to caffeine. I'm totally okay with that. It's like how I'm like, I'm coming to terms with like, it's okay to not enjoy pregnancy. Like, Mm -hmm. a lot of women act like it's so happy. It's just they're not expressing how uncomfortable it is. It just is. (laughs) Yeah. And you know what? When you own that it's uncomfortable for you, then you know how to fix it. Then you know how to take care of yourself and do what makes you feel comfortable. 
I mean, it's okay to not enjoy moments of that. I did not enjoy heartburn during pregnancy, but I'll tell you, I planned on how to take care of it because (laughs) it was not magical and beautiful. (laughs) Where can we find you online? My website is reikigemwellness.com and my YouTube channel is Reiki Gem Wellness. And eventually I will have an author website, which will be shannonservesco.com. The Reiki courses are available at reikigemwellness.com. And for your podcast listeners, I did manage to get the coupon code in. So it will be FGH podcast for 10% off the Reiki level one course. And then, of course, with the YouTube video, there are hundreds of videos for free, and you can just search any topic that you want, because I like to keep them by gemstones, or by life situations, or by questions. So the search bar on the YouTube channel is really powerful, and if I don't have something that you're, that they're curious about, they could just pop it in the comments, because I read all the comments. I might not have the time to reply to all of them, but I read them, and I take notes. I was curious about for pregnancy. Moonstone. It's a stone that is very nurturing, that supports all sorts of women's issues. It supports self-care and taking care of ourselves. And it also supports just inner reflection and taking those moments for ourselves as well for reflection. You know, nesting is part of that as well. So yeah, moonstone is really good. Rose quartz and unikite are really supportive for childbirth. I had a rose quartz and unikite mala that I kept with me when I was doing my birthing classes and through the birthing practice because it just, it, it helps us relax and, you know, remember that reproduction and and creation is natural and normal and healthy and to have love for what we're bringing in to the world and the whole process. So those are some that help. Thank Mm. you so much for doing this. I love your videos. That's why I wanted to get you on. Like you inspire me. Like I have loved doing all of your meditations too with the stones. It's like the sunstone. Like even that one is something that stands out. The carnelian. Thank you. It's wonderful to know that I get to help people in a way that's enthusiastic to me. I'm still pretty amazed that like the words that I put out, people are are resonating with. And I also want to thank you for this session today because you know, I'm I'm actively writing chapters for a book and talking with you, like I'm going to be writing right after this. Okay. And I mean, it, it, I have so many things in my brain that now that I can put there in my chapters today. So you asking questions and me thinking about those answers has, has really helped that creative process for me. So thank you. You're thank welcome. You. you know, when I started this, I really felt like this was just a practice for me. Like this, oh, this is something kind of one-off that clicks with me. It kind of works with me. And then in creating the videos to advertise for the store, I realized that like, oh, this kind of, this clicks for other people as well you know maybe I can do better like over the course of the evolution of the channel by focusing on doing better at like refining the how-to of the videos you know which is then why I branched into doing the guided meditations for certain situations and really trying to do some situations that aren't common 
Like I just filmed one yesterday on just reinforcing personal boundaries, you know, because we kind of feel like we need to say yes to everything. Yeah. And that saying no is rude. Severing attachments to things is, is coming up, which is different from cravings. I think the more people can point to a situation and say, oh, I am having trouble with that, then, and then there are the gemstones, and here's a way that I can sit down and, like, have a few minutes, explore how it shows up for me, and to, like, breathe it away. Yeah. Like, I'm finding that's helpful for me. You know, too, because I get to think about it and be in that energy and know that, like, when I find myself having a work-life imbalance, that I reinforce my personal boundaries. But sunstone, carnelian, that creative energy for putting yourself out there, for making something and manifesting things in the world, um, for sending out your message. Like that's that sacral and solar plexus energy there. Like other stones that are really wonderful for that are the orange calcite, orange selenite. There's not a lot of orange in the orange and like light orange family there, but that'll be fun. And I liked how you mentioned one of your videos using opposite colors for balance. Mm-hmm. That was interesting. And that was a point of learning for me because like prior to making those videos, I had focused on what we need to cultivate through those colors. And then in my reading, I realized it's really powerful to recognize when we have too much, too much of that energy. And the, and when we have the too much of the energy, it's really hard to admit. It really is. If we can at least, at least admit it to ourselves, even if we don't admit it to anyone else, then we can look for those colors that help us tone it down and then release it out into the earth. And, you know, the, the book publishing team that I'm working with, it's very spirit centered and primary coach tells us like the earth is really, really wonderful at recycling what we don't need. So if we have too much throat chakra energy and we're really always like insinuating our opinion on other people, then the earth will just take all of that, accept it for us and recycle it. So, but yeah, that was a learning. That was definitely a learning and recognizing for me where I had too much energy in places as well. So we learn when we teach. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, it's been really nice getting to know you and, you and chatting about one of my favorite things. What a fun interview with Shannon from Reiki Gem Wellness. Make sure to check out her YouTube, Reiki Gem Wellness, and her website, ReikiGemWellness.com. And also, you have a code from her as a gift for you to use her Reiki One course, and that is FGH Podcast as your code. And I have that written down for you also in the show notes. So again, thank you, Shannon. And thank you for those of you listening and make sure to share this with those who need it and those who are interested in taking a Reiki course or learning more about how to work with their gemstones. 